listen to Death and All the Rest. I'm Lizzie Salwin. And I'm Zoe Inglefield. Hi, here we are again with another exciting episode. How are you, Lizzie? I'm good. And you? How's your week been? Oh, it's been a bit, bit of a mixed bag, actually. Yeah. Why? Because it like mum's house. And all yeah, mum's house sold yesterday at auction yeah um which essentially is a good thing but it really is I don't know I was really emotional about it a lot more yeah I was a lot more I guess sad about it than I thought I would be I just I initially thought I just want to get everything sorted pack it all up and and move on yeah but you know like I said it was at an auction and when it finally sold I I just burst into tears it's funny how sometimes some little things just get you but selling your mum's house, which... My childhood home. A, yeah, I mean, that is, regardless of mum even dying, it would have been hard. Emotional, yeah. yeah. And I just felt like mum's house was really the last piece of her. It was. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, someone's bought it and that's nice and I hope they get to enjoy the house. And I wonder what they'll do. What I don't know. I think they'll renovate it. It definitely needs a renovation. So, yeah. you know, but I hope they build lots of memories. Like mum had that house for, I think, probably about 25 years. It's a and long time. It's a really long time. And also don't forget you just sold your other auntie who passed away a couple of months after mum. Or oh, it was 10 days after mum. Oh, yeah, 10 days. Yeah. Her same property same. sold as well. So so within that area yeah. where they lived, it's yeah. sort of the connections in a way sort of gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean... But do you think your mum would have been pleased? And I think so. I yeah, think good. so. Um, I yeah. have to think about what would they think. Yeah, I mean, I think I think she'll be happy and and now we just need to figure out getting the rest of her stuff out of the house and oh yeah it's still there yeah there's lots of furniture there which by the way I still have your stools I, I nearly grabbed them Lizzie's um inherited a cup of oh, four bar stools they're very cool they're very cool very retro yeah. so uh, next time I go down well actually I think we're going to get some movers to bring all the stuff out so what here yeah, I have to find. I think I have to get a storage locker at the moment. I just don't have room. I've got too much furniture in my house as as it is. Yeah, one of those things, eh? Another it step is. in the in the moving forward pathway of yeah. losing someone, right? Yeah. And what about? So I know you got when cleaning the place out. There was a lot of stuff you sort of got rid not well, yeah, got rid of or gave away or whatever. Um, in terms of that sort of material stuff compared to the house, mm. you feel like it's a different ball game in terms of emotions or yeah definitely I mean my mum was not a hoarder but I think you've said before you called her very nicely a collector yes. so there's a lot of stuff and we did get rid of or give away actually a lot of it went to the hospice Good. Um, we donated quite a bit of stuff to the hospice shop um, in the hopes that you know like I said hospice is such a great charity and they helped us it so much it really is I'm and they are based on they're all like nurses everyone doctors paid on a charity basis they don't get the same like salary or sorry hourly rate as someone in the hospital yeah it's actually well I don't know at the moment but known to be significantly lower yeah so everything counts it does so yeah I I I feel happy about it but also quite sad and I think that's fair enough absolutely be sad yeah allow yourself and actually speaking about that and time and things um I think it's starting to hit me quite a bit more in the last couple of weeks yeah the fact that mum really isn't here anymore yeah you know I've, I've been so busy when when she was sick I was so focused on looking after her and then I was so focused on organizing the funeral and all that stuff and then we were so focused on 
selling her properties. Oh, Christmas. Yeah, packing up all her stuff. And, yeah. and now all of a sudden, every, all, the, all the admin that goes with having lost someone, that's all done. And now I'm just sitting here thinking. But where is she? Yeah, but fuck. Like, where's mum? I know. And I, I said to you before, hands down, this might sound bad, but the year after, well, the year after mum died was the worst time of my life. Mm. And, you know, most people assume it's during the dying process, which we'll go into soon, or, um, you know, leading up to it. But it's it's not. And I think I've spoken to a lot of people that do resonate with the fact. It's sort of like, it's happened now. Life's gone on. You're meant to move on too, but it's sort of like, where are they? Everyone's, not in a bad way, but disappeared. Yes. But life goes yeah. on and, you know, the messages of how you are or um, anything like that. They dry up. They, they do. do. And yeah. that's that's the true reality of death, mm. I think. Yeah, I definitely think that sort of the period after, once they've died, once everything's sort of done, that's when you, now at the moment, I think is when I am really feeling the grief more than I have at any other point. I know, and that makes me semi want to cry because oh. I totally, it's lonely. Yeah. It's very, very lonely. No matter who's who's around you and, and people, you know, are good and stuff, but it's up to you really. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's shitty. And thinking, talking about that, I don't know about you, but I, probably because we've been, you know, podcasting and chatting and stuff, um, what's sort of coming to me a lot lately is the actual death process and how yeah. shit it is. Yeah. And the stuff, I think this is, Really, one of the things I wanted to talk about the most on the podcast is we were looking after mum and caring for her and all that sort of stuff, but I was so desperate to know what what is actually going to happen yeah. when they die. Yeah. Like those last pretty much two days. What am I looking out for? What are the signs? And and what 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 am I going to experience? Exactly. What, what to expect? Like you hear about all those things in the movies when someone or see it in the movies when someone's dying things like that chain stoking that horrible death rattle they yeah. sound they make and see that's interesting so when I was with my dad um we got told by hospice that he was going to pass away mm-hmm. so mum and I stayed up at his house I think I've covered this obviously and one of the first things I noticed it was the middle of the night and sort of I think it was a couple of hours before he started to get this really deep rattling breath and his breath became really irregular um quite gasping and very oh, it's very frightening it's it very is. noisy well it's it's known as sort of the common the word used terminology is chain stoking yeah um and basically is it's gurgly and raspy and it's caused by the mucus and the secretions in the lungs wow. that the dying person cannot bring up like yeah Someone like you or I, if we were really sick, even if we had pneumonia or something, our sort of natural reflexes would... Um, would it be to cough? Exactly. The cough reflex would be to cough. But they don't. Their bodies sort of shut down for other reasons, like a build-up of toxins and things. Mm-hmm. Um, they, just, they sort of lose that reflex. Mm-hmm. And so I actually looked that up, especially when... Because that was one of my biggest fears with mum, is hearing that horrendous noise. Yeah. But, and I did look it up. Um, and as I mentioned, they can't clear their secretions. Mm-hmm. But what I found good to know is that they actually don't know. No. It's not distressing for them. It's distressing for you. It's more distressing. Watching yeah. it and listening to it. But, yeah, I think that's the thing. For them, it's like when they get to that last sort of 48 to 24 hours, yeah. they almost get quite peaceful. And the things that are frightening and scary for you, 
they, they, they don't seem to be experiencing that, right? Yeah, well, like, truthfully, none of us know, do we? Yeah, but, no. But based on evidence and research and things, it, it is commonly known that no, they don't. Yeah. Um, it's sort of worse for us. And, you know, the other scary thing is, is the colour change in them and the coldness. Like, yes. I remember when, you know, the hospice, they know a hell of a lot more than us. But I remember one day that maybe it was someone else, not the hospice, but saying, mm. oh, look, she looks pretty close. But... We were like, but she's still so warm. Mm-hmm. Remember, we kept touching her feet and we were like, it's not going to be anytime soon. Yeah. And yeah. I, I remember when, when sort of the last day that hospice came, she sort of kept checking mum's legs and feet. And I was like, why? What, what's the deal? Like, what are you doing looking at mum's feet? And she was like, basically, when they're very, very close to dying, the hands and feet become cold and the blood stops circulating in the extremities just because it's sort of no longer necessary. So their body will stay warm, but the hands and feet are sort of the first thing to go cold. And it's sort of similar to the trauma, trauma response in a person, like if you have a big car crash and lose lots mm. of blood, that what the heart wants to do is still keep your internal organs in your in your stomach and things yeah. alive. Everything so that's vital for life that's right. is, is what's preserved to sort of the end. Yeah. And I remember, you know, when we were sitting with mum and, we pulled back the covers and then all of a sudden we saw her feet were really cold and her legs yeah. were very blotchy and blotchy purple. purple. Yeah. And I was like... That was a bit scary, eh? Yeah, it was really a very clear sign. And also with the final stage is sort of all intertwined. Like they can have the labour breathing and stuff. Like your mum did for about a week before. Yeah, but she never had that chain stoke in the same way that my dad did. My dad's breathing was very dramatic yeah. and very different and very obvious where mum... She got that gurgling when she was no longer able to swallow when she was trying to drink the fortisip and stuff. But but during that time, I think the point of difference is her breathing never became irregular. No. Remember in the actual final stages of the first, um, you know, sorry, the last 48 hours, often she'd stop breathing for like a minute. Mm. And you'd be like, is this it? But no, yeah. then, she'd, then she'd breathe again. Yeah. Um, and that's commonly not also known as chain stoking which is quick breathing and then none at all which is yeah. called apnea yeah and it's a build-up of toxins and waste in the body essentially just the whole body breaking down really yeah but like yeah see mum the same didn't have that she actually had the raspy breathing intermittently sort of mm-hmm. like every leading up to it some days she'd do it some days she wouldn't mm. but I don't know you just you just don't know but commonly if you know you're looking at the internet thinking what am I meant to be looking for yeah it'll mention that and the and the coldness and remember with your mum we'd sort of always be this sounds bad checking her nappy and and yeah. she was still weeing it's like yeah. I just don't, don't think people she's often like clear their bowels out is that yeah the and death it, poo like yeah. as a nursing as as a nursing point of view if someone's sort of unwell yeah on their way out they sometimes do the biggest shit you've ever seen really your auntie did that did she a couple of times Really? Did she go? I mean, she went to the bathroom or not? Yeah, she she was desperate to go. Oh wow! Yeah, um, and yeah, I don't know. See, I mean, you were working where my auntie was staying, sort of in the final stages of mm. her life, and she was lucid pretty much the whole time. She didn't go into that same almost comatose nothing state was, that my mum went into. No, or mum, she was awake and speaking two hours before. Wow, not well. No, not well. But, but but she was alert yeah. and sort of lucid. Yeah. I actually think she knew being there, but that that her time was yeah, coming yeah. to an end because it was quite well known that she wasn't meant to live long. No, her 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 diagnosis of yeah. The, um, I mean, they said to her true. that she wouldn't see Christmas. Yeah, and she did. She did. She lasted 
she died on Boxing Day, wasn't yeah. it? Or the th- around then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After that, yeah. So yeah, the actual. Oh gosh, yeah. So that's been coming into my head quite a lot lately. The actual process and just sort of the yellowy skin. Yeah. Do you reckon kind of a waxy pallor? Waxy. Yeah. And sort of not an odor, but kind of odor. Oh, I think there's. I mean, from my experience, both mum and dad got a very distinct smell. Smell. And I think for them, it was the the pain pump. Yep. Kind of, it came out in their breath almost because in their pores. Yeah. Yeah, they're not able to swallow or drink liquid as much and we talked about keeping their mouth moist but you know in the last sort of few days they're breathing constantly with your mouth open and it just yeah it's a really and their body's not actually breaking down or excreting the medication Mm. appropriately like it's a build-up yeah yeah that's why they sort of stop um being conscious yeah it's just a big build-up see mum she obviously shared the bag yeah. So no nappies for mum. No. And what a treat. But even, she didn't have the bag for poos, right? No. But she didn't ever poo in a nappy or anything. No. Yeah, that's a good point. She could she? get up and use. Yeah, I actually don't, can't remember that. Maybe she, Maybe you she don't did. even remember using a bedpan You know what, maybe she did. We did use a bedpan at certain stages, but certainly not while she, while she was in the final. I think she probably just didn't for a couple of weeks like your mum. Yeah. Just sort of digressed to that phase. But her, I know in the last sort of 24 to 48 hours, her... Um, not much in a wee bag at all. Yeah. It was so, it's well, like but was she drinking much liquid? No. Mm. No. Not not in the last forty-eight hours. Absolutely not. No. Mm. Yeah. Um. What about you? Have that, so, what have you been thinking about the most? I, when you see, okay, when you think of your mum, right? Because mm. this took me a long time. What is the first image that pops in? Is it her in the bed? No. Oh, I I good. I think of her constantly. I remember her so clear as day before she ever got sick I just I just picture her just walking around just fit as a fiddle where the fuck are you then Kathy yeah I know and (laughs) and I'm still waiting on my dream visits I'm really kind of getting a bit like no don't it's all to do with the mind I know and I mean obviously I think it's 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 me maybe not ready to see her just yet I, I mean I feel like I am I you'd want to I definitely want to and I keep I don't know she obviously, there's a, a room in our house that she died in. And sometimes when I go in there, I keep thinking like, are you in here? Are you, you know, know? Where are you? I don't know. I did open the window when she died though. And then after she left, I got a, I smudged, sage stick smudging. Good. Just, just to make sure, you know, she didn't feel obligated to hang around longer than she needed to. Not that I, I'm not overly spiritual and I don't really have super strong opinions on what actually happens when you die but I do have a very clear sort of belief I do have a very clear opinion that once they have passed away the body that's left behind is is 100% no longer them yeah it's like gone burger it, it is it is it is no and I don't mean that in a bad way I just mean yeah like the essence of who we are is so much more than this body that we walk around in. and you know what I don't know this is so off topic but before mum died I've I've always been quite self-conscious about certain things about you know not to get too heavy but about my appearance and that sort of stuff and I would never normally feel comfortable wearing shorts or anything like that because mm. I'm like oh yeah I'm like I just think I've got chunky legs it's and, so common it's so sad, I mean it's such yeah. a fucking time waste because since she's died I almost feel like I've I've totally let go of that self-consciousness and like I'm wearing shorts now and I've been wearing them pretty much non-stop 
since she died and do you know what because they're fucking comfortable and, and you don't give a fuck no I don't give a fuck because I just feel like and they're lovely legs and at least you <laughs> fucking got them <laughs> yeah and they they work well they get me from A to B and get me to doing what I need to do at the gym which I haven't been doing as much as I probably should so a lot more than me Oh, well, uh, yeah, I'll get back from there, I promise, if anyone from my gym is listening. Uh, I'll see you Monday. Um, but it's just, it's I don't know what it is. All of a sudden, I just feel like life is too fucking short not to is. wear an item of clothing because you think people are going to be like... So last year, would you not wear shorts? For no, never, never. And if I, if I was like at home wearing shorts or a skirt or something because it was too hot and I knew you were coming over, I probably would change and be wearing jeans because I'd just be like... Me. Yeah, I just was, I'm just like so weird about that. And I don't, and I'm I, so proud of you that you're wearing shorts. I just don't give a shit anymore. I mean, no, I don't either. Actually. I mean, it's our age as well, coincided with. Oh, I think so. I've just gotten to that point where, as a sort of teenage girl in 20s, I, I always sort of thought everyone's looking at you and judging you. And actually, no one gives a, no one gives you, a really. shit. Like, I, no one's paying that much attention to me. So just be comfortable. Exactly. Isn't that... And Kathy, your mum would agree. Oh, she was all, you know, and she used to give me a hard time as well. Like, she's like, you can't... I remember mum saying, I remember, I think I was going to Rhythm and Vines. I was probably about 20. And I was 15 kilo thinner than I am now. And the night before, I was crying. And mum's like, oh, what's wrong? She, and I was like, I'm fat. Yeah. And mum was like, <laughs> Wouldn't oh, you kill sake. to be how fat you were when you were a teenager and you thought you were fat? Yes. And she's like, like fucking ridiculous. I think I was wearing like size eight or six glasses. Like, and um, you're like, like oh, denim shorts. I need to wear size four. And that was my biggest concern. And she was like, look, t- trust me, you're gonna ten years time, you're gonna be fat. Yeah. The legs will be gone. You'll be you'll be so self conscious. Just. Don't worry about it. Like, enjoy it now. Oh, man, if I had the the mindset that I have now with the body that I had at 21, like, Jesus Christ. And you thought we were so old and, like, not mature, but mature. Yeah. No, nothing wrong with the legs. Get the legs out. (laughs) That's what they'd be saying. Yeah, I don't know why that, for some reason, is a bit of a takeaway from me since when mum died is, is... is honestly like don't sweat the small stuff. Absolutely. You know? And it sounds so lame, but it's actually so true. I know. I know. I just think... Yeah, just just live your life and be comfortable. And if you want to wear bloody hot pants just at home, it. I mean, I wouldn't wear them in public, maybe. But no, neither would I. At the moment, then, mm. what's sticking out for you the most? I Don't just forget it's only been four or five months, Zoe. I know, I know. It's such a small amount of time. I know. I think it's it's sort of a tricky one for me. Obviously, when Mum died, she she had some property and and. She had a will and stuff, and so now that everything, all, all her property has been sold, and it's get, you know her estate is essentially getting split between me and my brother, I now feel sort of this pressure mm. to make sure I am responsible with yeah. with her legacy. And the biggest thing for me about that is she was the number one person I would go to for, the advice. for this kind of advice, and yeah. it's it's really I, I feel very much at a loss that I can't pick up the phone and be like, well, what should I do now? Like, know. how, you know, should I, should I invest? Should we buy more property? Like, what should we do? Like, and I understand that's a very privileged position that we're in, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I don't have a dad to ask. I don't have a mum to ask. No. And it's sort of, it's not polite to talk about money it with people. No, so right. yeah, it's a tricky one. I really feel it is tricky. Like, and after you know, mum dying and she had 
a great aunt called so her mother's brother who didn't have children. So mm-hmm. so when he passed away, mum um, was in line for the inheritance and yeah. inheritance, but she wasn't there. So her lot got shared between me and my brother. Mm-hmm. And at 25, I think I was, it's, you know, a bit of money and you're thinking, firstly, fuck yeah. Yeah, party time. <laughs> but, then really, but then really like, it's like, no, actually, like this is a privilege. Yeah. We owe it to them. And I mean, lucky, very, very lucky for me. I've got my father, yeah. who was pretty, um, not, not too overbearing about it, but certainly put me in the right direction. And you know, you can't go wrong with property. Yeah, that's so, right. Fuck, I did. Yeah, like, yeah. There's no way now, like, you know, being single and wanting to buy on your own. So yeah, so I think, you know, you're smart. I think your mum liked property too. She did. Yeah, it, it's the way to go forward. Mm. But it's still, you know, it's one of those really hard things because. People say, oh, you know, if you talk about money, as you say, it's really not, it's a bit of a crass topic I'd say yeah. to talk about. But at the same time, you do, you know, want want advice or people have money from other means mm. and you want to know what they want to do with it too. Yeah, and, and you, you sort of want to say to someone else that's in your position, like, okay, so I'm inheriting some money. What should I do? And actually on that topic... I actually did reach out to an independent financial advisor mm-hmm. and I went and met with him in oh, a cafe and I had a coffee and we had a big chat and I, you know, discussed basically my situation and, and you know, what's going to happen. And he's given me some really amazing advice, which was super, super helpful. Good. And I probably wouldn't have done that had mum been here. I would have just spoken to her about yeah. it. We would have come up with a plan. Obviously, I include my husband in all these decisions, but, you know, it's just, it's something I never really had to think about that much it's actually something you don't want to think about no you sort of know especially in your position having no father or anything um you 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 know it is going to happen but it it isn't a subject you want to really think about or or sort of bring up it's sort of an unspoken thing with death I I feel yeah yeah as you say don't talk about it but well because it's (laughs) and he was independent so it's good that he didn't know you no no and he wasn't sort of advocating strongly for one thing or another he was just like these are some options you can look at and you know I just I just think it's a really you know wise thing to do it's sort of like you know when people win lotto not that I you know I'm nowhere near a lotto win or anything like that and believe me I would rather have my mum than an inheritance I can fucking tell you that for free that's what I was going to say before I've had people say to me you know, having a house, oh, fuck, you know, you're so lucky and you'll get this too. Mm. Um, and I'm like, yeah, fucking great. Yeah. You know. Um, I'm an orphan. Wow. Well, Yay me. I'm not. But, yeah. <laughs> but you, you get the the, link, the gist. Um, it's like, yeah, yep, yep, lucky. But, um, and yes, I am lucky, but also you'd rather have your mum and oh, dad in an absolute heart. Hands you know? down, you know, like. Absolutely. It, it is a pressure. You owe it to, you owe it to them. But. You know, I, well, it's like I was saying with the people that do win lotto, you know, so many of them, so I have read, you know, over the years that, that people tend to just piss it into the wind, you know, like oh, you, all I, of a sudden you've got all this money and you think, oh, great, like I can live beyond my means almost. And, and I'm very conscious of that. I'm very conscious of, you know, my mum worked so hard to have a good legacy for me and my brother. So I really want to make sure... I do right by my own children in that sense exactly. as well and, and make now. and make the right decisions and stuff. So, yeah. you know, I mean. It will happen. You're smart enough. And I think, yeah, mum would be very pleased with your um, decision to go talk to someone independently. Mm. Yeah. But on the other, on the other, on the positive note, like, okay, yes, you will, you know, have some inheritance. 
you can sort of do things with it that you know they'd like or yeah. be proud of it's a yeah. bit more of an incentive I mean as soon as the borders open up I will be taking my family to Canada and seeing <gasps> the relatives left behind it's opened I mean, well, no. Not to so go to Canada. I've I can, completely got the wrong, yeah. yeah. I've got my older brother and his kids in Australia. You know, it was hard for lots of people not being able to come to mum's funeral, like a lot of the people that were in Australia and Canada and everything like that. And so it's just amazing that with the technology we have, they could all watch a live stream of the funeral. So, yeah, on that note, so I was in a very different um, situation to you. You essentially organised your whole, your mum's whole funeral. I know. She didn't have... She she had basically said to me the funeral home that she wanted me to use. That was the only sort of direction that I had. So I... I was there for the, the day after she um, passed away, speaking to the director and visiting the place. So tell us, because I actually don't know either, Yeah. what sort of is the process? Well, I think I have touched on a little bit that... Before, when, when someone's dying and you know they're going to die, you, oh, yeah, the you, call, yeah, you yep. call the funeral home and, you know, most people will probably die fairly close to where their doctor is. So you've got to get them signed off. Mum was signed off by the hospice doctor. But they come and pick them up from the house. Like the funeral directors will come with with the van and, you know, oh, sorry, the hearse or whatever vehicle it is. Yep. They come, they take them away. And then the next day you need to go down and pretty much decide everything like they talk a little bit about what kind of person my mum was and then they they basically put you in touch with the celebrant who they think is sort of would be the best representation for mum like they didn't have like you know a young guy holding the ceremony it was like a lovely lady who was of a similar age to mum and and that sort of stuff and so yeah you have I, I had to take her outfit down which that really stressed me out trying to pick what to wear one thing I really was quite unhappy about is before mum had died I spoke to the funeral director who who basically was my point of contact for the whole service and I had said I really don't feel it's necessary for mum to get embalmed and the reason I said this is when my dad died it was the same funeral home but obviously it was what eight years earlier or I can't remember yeah, it, yeah it was about eight years earlier. And the guy who came and picked up dad from his house, we were talking with him and he basically said to me, this is the guy that works in the funeral home. He was like, when I die, I will not be getting embalmed. It's too invasive and I'm not for it. And yeah. I was like, that's very interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so when mum died, I was like. But she, did he give you reasons? He just was basically like, it's it's so invasive. Yeah. And, and I mean. Because you're taking all your blood out and pumping it with stuff to stop you decomposing. Totally. Yeah. And it's it's like my mum, when she did pass away, she didn't look remotely the same yeah. as how she did when she was fit and healthy and full of life. And I think maybe it's it's maybe a different situation when someone dies suddenly and they still look very, pretty similar to the way they look. I can understand why people totally. would, would have a, a viewing or an open coffin or all that sort of stuff. So mum died in December and in September she had had her 70th birthday. Yeah. So she had a big party for her 70th. It's much like your 21st. Like lots of people came. Everyone that loves mum came to the party and they got to see her sort of, she was sick obviously, she was going through chemo, but she was dressed nicely. Yeah. She was in she a good herself. mood. She, yeah. you know, she knew she was terminally ill, but 
but it was sort of the last opportunity that everyone got to see her as herself. You know, she had her personality and everything like that. And it was amazing. So I I feel like the people that knew mum and loved mum had come and they had seen her like how she, how she wanted to be remembered. The people that were super, super close to her obviously came and visited her while she was here with us and they had seen the decline. So when she did die, I didn't feel like it was necessary to do the embalming and to get her all dressed up and to have a viewing because the people that needed to say goodbye to her that were in New Zealand and were able to had come and done that while she was still alive. I totally agree. She yeah. she didn't look the way... She that, wanted to want to see. No. Like, and so, yeah. so when I spoke to the guy on the phone, I was like, listen, I don't think we need to embalm her. I don't think we need to get her all like dolled up for a viewing. <laughs> Well, they do doll them they up. They do. Mom I know. They're completely dolled up. Yeah. And, I, and and it doesn't look the way they look. And it's good for people to see if that's what they want to see. But Especially, in your mum's interest and for your own and probably her preference, it was unnecessary. And yeah. It's totally fine. And, and I can sort of, totally aside, my oldest brother, Terence, the one who lives in Australia, his mum died when I was 16. She died suddenly from a heart attack. She was really young. She was beautiful. She oh. was... She had him when she was 18, so she was really young. Wow. And, yeah, she was 50 when she died <gasps> of just a sudden heart attack, totally out of the blue. Fuck, that's scary. And she actually, after she split up from my dad, when they were very young, um, she had met a lovely Norwegian man, married him, and moved to Norway. So she had been in Australia visiting my brother and his family <gasps> when she suddenly Dropped had me. a heart attack and died. So her husband and my brother's other brother yeah. so he has another brother who's different dad yeah yeah different same mum but different dad so they were in Norway and they hadn't seen her and they had said like goodbye have a nice holiday see you soon and then while she was on holiday back in Australia where she was from she died so I can understand so I went to that funeral with my dad when I was 16 yeah, yeah 15 or 16 I think it was just before my dad had a, his major stroke but she had an open coffin and I can understand why because she died suddenly she still looked the way she looked and and people who had last seen her fit and healthy all of a sudden they needed that closure and I understand that and maybe it's just the thing to do I don't know Mm. it's a good yeah anyway but so with mum I was like none of that's necessary let's not do any of that and then so they came and picked up mum late at night yes. and then the next morning... After dropping off the others. After dropping off the others from Oriwa, they went, came back <laughs> out here, came and got mum, took her back to the funeral home. And so when we went down the next day, I'd taken mum's clothes. Obviously, I didn't anticipate that there would be a viewing, but I did want her to be dressed nicely and, you know, and stuff that she was comfortable and happy in. Sure, they were pretty quick. Yeah, they were. Yeah. And then so I, we were there talking to the guy and he's asking me all these questions about shit that I didn't know that I needed to know, like <laughs> grandfather's birthplace and <laughs> occupation and date of marriage and all that Fuck stuff. Yeah. And then next thing you know, he's sliding me this piece of paper and it's a um, permission slip, basically. What is it? Like to permission to embalm and preserve. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, no. No, no, I, I, she doesn't need to get embalmed. That's not necessary. Like, my mum has literally just been doing treatment for chemotherapy. She has been poked and prodded yeah, and hard. fucking had big IV bags of drugs pumped into her. Just, she's let, passed let away. Her Leave her the fuck alone. <laughs> and then he says to me, he's like, oh, no, it's, it's a bit late. We've already, <gasps> we've already embalmed her. And I was like, what the fuck? Like... If you'd, you specifically said no. I, I had said on the phone multiple times, like, 
We don't need to embalm her. It's fine. Not to mention the cost. It's about a couple of grand, isn't it? Oh, it was like four grand, right? And so when, he, when I got there, it, literally the day after mum died, I'll admit I was mildly hungover because yeah. mm-hmm. it was traumatic. As so I yeah. once she'd passed, I probably drank a bottle of wine, if not two. And <laughs> I think you're allowed. Yeah, exactly. If you can't get a free pass the day your parent dies, when can you? <laughs> and so I was really surprised when he was like, oh, it, it's too late. We, we had to do it. And oh, I was like, right. what? And basically... I think what he was getting at was because the enema she did was not full work. Of shit. Yeah, she was full of shit. <laughs> and so he was like, "We had to do the embalming." And I was like, "I, I really wish at the time I had said I'm not fucking signing this." But I yeah. was just like, "Oh, I didn't want that done." And he's like, "Oh no, no, we had to do it." Like, I think people just think that that's what's done, but yeah. it doesn't have to happen. And yeah. I was like, "Okay, so mum, I think it was a Thursday." That, so she died on a Wednesday, so it was Thursday morning that I'm at the funeral home, and he's saying, yeah, basically. We were there. Yeah, yeah, so he's saying. I heard you. Yeah, she's full of poo, whatever. That He didn't say it in those words, but that's, he kind of like indicated towards the stomach area and was like, it was necessary, whatever. And I didn't kick up a fuss, and I didn't say anything, and I just was like, okay. So I signed the authority yeah. to embalm after, the, after fact, the fact, after they'd already done it. And then... I remember thinking, well, I don't want to have an open coffin. Yeah. yeah. And my plan, as per mum's will, was that she was going to get cremated. So I, and he, he was basic. I said, couldn't you just keep her on ice until the day of the funeral? <laughs> and he was like, no, it's we can't do that. Because, I mean, December, it's summer, it's hot. I know, and if everyone wanted that, I mean, it's just, it would be impossible. I guess, I guess so. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm just too exposed to, like, American movies where everyone's, like, in a morgue, which is, like, a room full of, like, freezers full of dead bodies. With, like, a little thing around your ankle with it. Yeah, which obviously, it. I mean, it, it wasn't a scene of crime. So maybe that's <laughs> only, you know, like, only if you Who knows? die in a criminal way, you get to be chucked in the big freezer. <laughs> Um, so anyway I was like I was really taken aback by it and I I, at the time I was too overwhelmed and I had so many thoughts going through my head and I couldn't think clearly and I was hungover and I was just like whatever so I signed it It wasn't a problem well it was but at the time I wasn't I I think we just wanted sushi I just wanted to get the fuck out of there honestly he talked for like two hours about such unnecessary bullshit like he just would not stop anyway (laughs) like note to people if someone's died just keep it brief like we don't need to yeah. go on and on anyway I mean maybe some people like that I don't I'm like get to the point yeah, yeah but that is stick to the facts yeah. yeah so anyway I remember thinking afterwards if my plan had always been to get mum cremated which of course she did why and he's saying to me oh no we couldn't have preserved her long enough for the funeral I sort of thought why could we not then have got her cremated straight away First. and then had the service with the urn I mean is that is oh, that for some s- reason not appropriate? I don't know. I mean, we don't have strong you cultural... You still could have the coffin and put an urn in the coffin. Totally. Who yeah. would have known? No one. I, I, and I just, I mean, I, funeral homes is a fucking racket. That shit is so expensive. Oh, I know. It was like... But were you expecting that? Like, what... Yeah, I, I, I was expecting it to be maybe 10 grand. And I actually found when I was clearing out mum's house, the paperwork from my dad's funeral, which was in... 2012 his funeral was six grand and then mum's funeral in 2020 was 13 for the same same basically yeah and actually well maybe more i we expected more people for mum's funeral and we did get more people but it's also really 
tricky because people don't RSVP to a funeral. <laughs> and so you don't know how many programs you need to print. You don't know how much catering you need. Like we organized food for a big wake. Like, and it's, again... You know, there was quite a few people that came to the funeral that then didn't come back to our house yeah, for the wake. So we had so hard to know, eh? Booze for weeks, which I'm Handy. not complaining about because it was, you know, Christmas and all that stuff straight after. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's awkward. It's really it is awkward. awkward and weird. And and I did end up just paying for the embalming because it was on the invoice and I, I'm too much of a well, coward a now, to like, it? yeah, pick up, to kick up a fuss and be like, I very clearly said to you, and I wish I had said in an email, do not embalm her. I do not give permission for that. Yeah. And if they, and afterwards, after the funeral or everything like that, the hospice nurse came back because I had um, a little case that had some, the pain pump medication mm. and, and the the device and stuff. Cause where we are, like I ha- I was responsible for changing mum's pain pump yeah. because the hospice would only come every second day. So when she came to get all that equipment, I sort of spoke to her and I was pretty upset that they had embalmed her without my permission because I did feel like it's so invasive and unnecessary in her case. And the hospice nurse was really, really surprised that they had done that. And she really? sort of, yeah, she was like, you know, they would need a really, really good reason to embalm someone. And I guess he's saying that they did have a good reason that it needed to True. happen. Yeah. But also I didn't understand like, okay, well, if, if it's hot and it's summer and, you know, because she died on the Wednesday and then we didn't have the funeral until the following Monday – could they not have just cremated her earlier yeah, and stuff? And could they not? They should have called me and said, hey, I know you said you didn't want her embalmed, but these are our reasons that we think it's necessary. Maybe just people assume, you know, you have a funeral and then you get the bill sent to you and that's it. Yeah. But actually. And and it was interesting to note when, when we were at the funeral home, because obviously it is really expensive. He asked us, he, he kind of basically said like, from, from knowing what we've talked about, mum, that, that we weren't eligible to get, like, a grant from Wins to cover oh, yeah. the funeral. But that is available for people. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, true. I can see why people would get funeral insurance and stuff like that. Because all of a sudden, you literally have to cough up. And I didn't have to pay. I think they sent me the invoice. I actually kept – I had to ask for it a couple of times. I was like, just send me the bill. I want to pay it and get it done, yeah. you know. And I had to follow up. They were a bit sort of slack on that point. Well, obviously, they're spending – they're getting a lot of money for people that are – Paying for embalming when they don't need it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're just t- whacking stuff on here yeah. and there and everywhere. But um, yeah, I can see why you know why people do get funeral insurance and all that sort of stuff. And but then also after you know, obviously I was sort of there that day. Not that I can remember half of what you're saying, but what other stuff is expected from you? Like, do you have to go and tell talk to someone about your mum? Like what yeah, she was like? Yeah. So the fu- the celebrant came to my house and I had to talk about her and talk about sort of what she was like and you know some sort of little anecdotes about her and then the other thing that was extremely difficult for me was writing her eulogy yeah because I don't know like it's a history eulogy is a history history of someone's life yeah and and so much of it like I said my mum was an only child and my dad had already died not that he pays attention to anyone and probably would have known half the questions when my dad died his sister did his eulogy yeah. not not the one that passed he's got one sister still living um it's a big big thing to do though. it is and there was there was a couple of things that you know my mum grew up in Canada but I know that she had moved around a bit and had gone to a couple of different high schools and stuff and and I I actually so my mum when she the reason she first moved to New Zealand was because she met a man 
and married him and was married to him for three years. Really? And yeah, his, he's a lovely guy, but he basically cheated on her the entire marriage. Fabulous. But I had met him. Mum actually had introduced me to him later in life. I remember I was maybe 11 or 12 and I was, I don't know what I was doing. I used to just love going through mum's wardrobes just because it was Who always doesn't? fun. And you yeah. dig out, I remember digging out wedding dresses and all that sort of stuff. And I came across this photo album, <gasps> this vintage photo album from the 70s. And I open it up and here are these like super beautiful photos of my mum when she was 27 years old, all dressed up for a fucking wedding. And I'm like, that's not my dad. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> and I took the photo album downstairs and I was like, what is this? And mum's like, oh my God. Oh yeah, that's from my first wedding. And I had no idea. And I was like, do you have other children that I don't know yeah. about? And oh she was like, God. absolutely not. Don't be ridiculous. But basically my mum had got married prior to my dad. They were married for three years. He cheated on her the whole time. So they got divorced and then... I think maybe a year or so later, she then met my dad through a mutual friend and they got married. But I never knew any of that. No. But at the funeral like home, when they were talking to me about mum, he said, you know, how many marriages has she had? When were they? That's Who right. were they with? And it's not, I don't think it's like you legally need to know it. But for some reason, I think funeral homes send records to people to births, deaths, and marriages, oh. almost as like gen- they they now keep genealogies of people. So oh. if for some reason, you know, whatever, a hundred years from now, someone was like trying to trace ancestors or something like that, that's where they get that information. Oh, so I had to go through my mum's phone because I knew she had his number in there, and I it was like literally the day after mum died, and I ring up this poor bastard, <laughs> and I'm like, hi. Um, so this is Zoe, Kathy's daughter. He's like, okay. And I'm like, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but mum died yesterday. Um, can you oh tell me God. when and where you got married, how you <laughs> met and all, like, it was so bizarre. And he was absolutely lovely and he Just lives in well. Christchurch. So he didn't come, yeah, he didn't come. I mean, he was a Kiwi. That's how, that's how she ended yeah, up in New Zealand. True. She yeah. was on her OE and they got sat next to each other on a, on a plane to Queenstown. And that's how they met. Anyway. Fascinating. Anyway, like I said. Did you know, and you didn't know that? I had met him before and I knew that yeah. she'd had a first husband, but she didn't tell Did, me all, like when no. they got married and where and all this sort of stuff. So, and then, so he told me all of that information. So I had that. And then because mum and dad both died, I couldn't find their marriage certificate or anything like that. So I knew I'm Facebook friends with. Probably whipped it in the skip by now. Yeah, anyway. probably. She was probably like, <laughs> fuck that guy. Like, and, no, and us. In. Well, you cleaned oh, out the no, house. I hadn't cleaned out the house by then. Uh, oh, and obviously. No. So then I had to reach out to the lady that I knew was mum's maid of honor. And I had to ask her like, Hey, when did mum get married? And, and there was like Shit. school friends from Canada and I was Facebook messaging them saying like, you know, what high school did she go to where? Cause I know she had changed high schools like halfway through and it's just, it's just a lot of stuff. And I think it was probably particularly harder for me, like I said, because mum wasn't originally from New Zealand. Yeah. Like she was an only child. Her, you know, my dad had already passed away. Which obviously wasn't that forthright in telling oh, you. Oh, so, I mean, he I was mean, useless. He, yeah. he, he never, never once remembered my birthday. Like, really? Yeah. No, I'd have to be like, Dad, it's my birthday. And he'd be like, oh, shit. Like, okay, here's a hundred bucks. So not complaining, but yeah, I never got a birthday phone call from him or anything. And then what else is expected of you in terms of music and, well, I know yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. Like, we had to pick music that was hard. Like, I had to pick a poem. Uh, I had to select what finger foods we wanted. Um, I'm so grateful my mother-in-law and sister-in-law, they're florists, so they did all the flowers. That made it so much easier for me. Because that's expensive. 
Yeah, they just, I just, they just wholesale bought flowers and, yeah. and did them. I mean, they did all our wedding flowers, so they, they're amazing at that. Um, and yeah, just just that sort of stuff. You get a whole bunch of options these days in terms of, you know, do you want little pamphlets? Or so we actually went with bookmarks. Oh, they're cool. I they're very, yeah, I can post a picture of those on our Instagram if anyone's interested and yeah, and that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, do you ha- do you have anything stuff like with your mum? Did mm-hmm. your dad organise the funeral? Do you think? Yeah. So. Um, we had it in the... Because you would have had a lot of people there because your mum was young, eh? And she was popular. And I mean, not that my mum wasn't popular, but... A different, totally. My mum was compare. retired and, yeah. you know, a different stage of her life. Yeah, it was huge. I think there was about five or 600 people there. Wowzers. And when we first got in there, um, it was... Because, of course, you care about sort of how many people come and it's just you're automatically defensive about the loved one, yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And it's then, like... Don't you dare not show up to her last fucking party. Exactly. <laughs> but when we first got there and looked, I remember, yeah, it was weird. I remember all walking down. It was actually a bit of a metaphor for the whole sort of losing someone. I remember walking to the funeral. It was just in, obviously walking distance from my house. There's all these different groups of people walking down. And I was walking down by myself. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, people around you, but it's so lonely. Yeah. And when we got there... Um, originally it looked like there wasn't many people there and then I actually dad did the eulogy yeah and obviously she as discussed chosen her funeral songs that wasn't hard um I was a speaker too and then I ended up being first oh really and so I looked up and I think my first words were holy shit because (laughs) there was just so many yeah people there but um it's also a big thing to do I feel like automatically for you you it was a lot of responsibility and I really felt like I want to make sure that this is something that mum's not going to be like, oh shit, you know, don't use that photo or anything like that. Yeah. And that's another thing I actually have to say that I'm so, so fucking grateful when we found out mum was sick the second time and that she didn't have much longer to live. One of the first things we did was mum, myself and my two daughters, we went and got professional photos oh, taken yeah. and they ended up, it was my mum had bought a car the year before. I think I'd mentioned that. And for some reason, she bought it from Toyota. And they sent her a voucher to get family portraits done. As and you it, do. Yeah. So, which it actually turned out to be such a fucking scam. Because <gasps> you got the first photo free. And then the other photos. Because obviously, you're going to take more than one photo. And yeah. you're going to want more than one photo. The extra photos were like thousands of dollars it was no they they were trying to charge like two and a half grand which no shit I think was how much I spent on my wedding photos and I was like and I didn't know this until afterwards you just not you just go showing up and I assumed that That there would be a cost I knew knew there would be a cost to buy the other photos but I I was gobsmacked at I think I ended up getting 10 photos and I got none of them printed I just got digital photos and it was I think eight (gasps) hundred dollars which is ludicrous outrageous and it just was like in a little studio in in Oriwa or something like that and and the photos are beautiful and and actually the outfit in her photos is is what she ended up wearing yeah but it's just yeah I mean maybe choose a better photographer but it is it is (laughs) lovely that I have these photos of how I remember mum and I have photos because at the time you know my daughter was my two daughters one was three one was one you know they maybe won't remember grandma yeah. in, in later years but we have these beautiful photos of us all together and and like it's just Priceless super they special say. yeah yeah see mum didn't we didn't have really have you did you ended up doing your photos eh oh I did um 
a photo slideshow. That was actually one of the hardest things. I did a photo slideshow for my dad and I did a photo slideshow for my mum, like where, you know, you play music and, and uh, yeah, like yeah. A, a digital slideshow. And for dad, it was really easy because he didn't actually have that many photos. This is before he wasn't technology savvy at all. And like I said, he'd been quite fucked for about 10 years. We so wasn't out there like <laughs> taking selfies. Whereas mum had traveled quite a bit. She'd gone, you know, she was very social and there was thousands of photos and I had to go through boxes and boxes and boxes of photos. And it's like, you know, you only really need about 60 photos and you want them to be like a good representation of, of their life. Of their well, life. You did such a good job. And like with dad, I had a scanner because it was like, you know, it wasn't quite that modern. Whereas with mums, I actually just took the, f- like, instead of scanning all the photos, I just took photos of the originals on my iPhone and I used an app and it ended up being really, really easy. Good. Yeah. But on that note, can you, I want to see it again. Can you post them to the Instagram, please? Yeah, I'll post mum and dad's little photo slideshow to the Instagram for anyone that's interested. And I think we've probably talked your ear off enough for one day. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. And that's us for today. Thank you so much for listening to us waffle on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at death and all the rest. And if you have a question or you'd like to share your story, you can email us at daatrpodcast at gmail.com. Bye. This podcast was born out of a need to talk about our personal experiences with death. To be clear, we are not mental health professionals. We are simply sharing our stories. 